Hello, and welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. Despite all appearances, I'm not Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. (laughs) I'm his older brother, and I'm a writer, and I will be asking him the questions. And here with me is Matthew. Hello, everybody. Before we get into the episode, just wanted to remind everybody, we have multiple ways to support the podcast. You can go to stilltbd.fm, and from there you'll find a link. You can donate to us directly. You can also simply subscribe. You can like the podcast, and you can leave a rating. And you can do that wherever you find the podcast, either on your podcast provider or on YouTube, where a video version of the podcast is available. It's on that video version that you will... See the similarity between Matthew and me. As many commenters (laughs) are fond of pointing out, they feel like they're seeing double. And as one commenter recently (laughs) said, it looks like I'm watching somebody age by the minute. (laughs) Some of the other comments on our most recent episode include from a podcast favorite, Roger Starkey. He was responding to a recent conversation we had about Peabody and Sherman and my explanation for listeners who might be a little too young to remember who Peabody and Sherman are. And Roger Starkey said, getting old, you know, you're really old when you don't know Peabody and Sherman because they're after your time. Roger, (laughs) you may be older than we are, but you're clearly young at heart. So thank you for listening. And thank you for, for being such a uh, constant commenter. We really love having you in the, on the conversation. He also comments a lot on my videos. I love it. Thank you, Roger. We also have a comment from Shershag75Abel, who questioned whether or not we have seen Debris. It's apparently a show on sci-fi, and they're asking if we've checked it out. I have not. Matt, right now on the video, is giving a knowing nod, so maybe we'll leave that for the end of the episode. Maybe he can bring that up then. Yeah. I'll be bringing it up later. So for today's episode, we're going to be talking about Matt's most recent video, which was off-grid living with solar. No question mark on this one. So that threw me off right from the beginning. I was like, this is a definitive Definitive. statement. I don't know what to do. (laughs) This one dropped on March 30th, 2021, which means we are officially a quarter of the way through the year. Oh my God. I can't. (laughs) What is happening with time? means nothing. (laughs) Time is a four-letter word. <laughs> this, was this a, I'm sorry, it seems like Matthew's losing it now. No, it's like my gears on that one just clicked really slowly. I was like, yeah, time is yeah. a four-letter word. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a four-letter word. Thank you. Sometimes it's, it's a dirty one. So this most recent episode focused on your conversation with a, is this a former coworker or just a, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we've worked together for a very long time. Yeah, so we know each other pretty well. this friend of yours decided to live off-grid, not because he's trying to do anything illegal or escape from shenanigans in his past. He's not running from the FBI. (laughs) He's he's, uh, married, but childless, but pet-heavy. Very pet-heavy. And they decided that while they are able due to childlessness, to just explore the country. Yeah. I mean, Steve's a unique guy. I mean, he's always, he's always been a very fiercely independent type of person. 
And like he used to live in Rhode Island. And even when he had a house, he was very much the, I always joked about the zombie apocalypse with him because he had his own chickens for fresh eggs. He actually raised, I find it very funny because he has two bunnies as pets, but he also raised bunnies to eat. Oh boy. So he, he had his own meat. He had his own eggs. He even had honeybees at one point making his own honey. It was like he was going down this path of like just being his own little ecosystem. Right. And so when he said, hey, man, I'm going to be getting an RV and putting solar on it and driving across the country, I was like, of course you are. <laughs> it's like it fits right in with who he is. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah, I saw in in the comments a number of people. I mean, it really seems to have tapped a vein of. Yeah. Dare to dream like this, this yes. thing about like just getting <laughs> out on the open road and just driving well there's but a lot of the comments were also but then i remember i have children before you go on i was going to say when i was doing the video we were editing it putting it together and i needed some exterior shots of his rv and so i sent him an email i'm like hey could you go grab some additional shots of the exterior and he's like sure so later that night i get an email with the videos and the photos of it and it was the rv on the beach and all i did was write back going i hate you period that's all i wrote <laughs> it's like it's like every two weeks he's changing the scenery it's like you know what i'm gonna park on a beach i'm gonna work on a beach for a couple of weeks and see how this goes it's like what oh. beach was he on was he somewhere in so california cool. or texas okay he was so in texas was somewhere on the Gulf. he was down in texas okay yeah. Uh, yeah. His, the story that he recounted, I mean, it's really nuts that he drove into Texas after the storms and he was in better shape than anybody yep. living in some of those communities where he had power. And the only question was, do we have drinkable water? Um, I love, he was basically saying we're a mobile right. generator. It's like, it's like we could pull up to your house and plug in. You could have some power for a while. <laughs> this is, this is one of those lifestyles where there is a romantic element to it, which is certainly appealing for me. I think, um, in your video, you talk about, you would need to have the kind of spirit that would tap into a little bit more of a rugged lifestyle as somebody yeah. I mean, just yesterday, um, spent the day. It was a nice day here in New York. One of the first truly feeling like spring days in a while and was out walking around and ended up walking about five miles, which is a good amount of terrain to cover and spent hours and hours outside. And then all night last night was just seizing up with muscle cramps and just <laughs> like, I'm, I'm out of shape. I do not do this enough. My body was not ready for this. And on top of that, I have yeah. recurring chronic issues like a bad back and stuff like that. So it's, it's, you know, my body did everything it could during the night while I was trying to sleep to remind me that it hates me and I will yes. rue the day that I made it do these things. So You'd absolutely have to be somebody who is into fairly rugged living, camping. And you would yeah. also, unless you are a complete retiree or have funds from some source that doesn't require work, have to be able to work remotely. And he's a programmer. Yes. Yes. He works in okay. game development. So he yeah. still works in game development. Is he doing freelance or does he work for one company? He works for one company. He's a full-time employee. I mean, he was working because of the pandemic and stuff like that. But even before the pandemic, he was working remotely from home a lot. 
because he lives in Rhode Island and a lot of the office is in Boston. So it's like, it's a long trip. So you get to work from home every once in a while. And it was just, it's like, I can work remotely. There's nothing that says I have to be in the office. So he got permission to basically be hundred percent full time because the pandemic was doing that anyway. And so they're just taking advantage of it. If like, forward ho let's go across the country it's just and does his wife work so he's 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 very lucky um she i think she does i think she has her own side business she (laughs) on on the road thoracic surgeon (laughs) it's like i'm picturing like a quincy tv show around that she rolls into town (laughs) somebody on a playground is like does anybody know a thoracic surgeon Exactly. So it, it there are a number of hurdles to this kind of living. This isn't something that somebody's just going to be able to jump into. And on top of all of that, it would be obviously if you're not going to own a home or rent a home, all of the costs that would normally go into that would, could go into your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you know approximately what a cost would be? around that like he's got four certain solar panels he's got battery packs that are lithium battery packs yes just crunching numbers off the top of your head or do you know he told me i have to look it up but it was it was over ten thousand dollars he spent on everything the batteries alone just equipment that wouldn't just include one of the vehicle he, correct um the batteries alone that he got he has three of those batteries just one of those batteries is like a thousand a couple thousand bucks so it's like he probably has you know three to five thousand dollars of batteries he probably has a few thousand dollars of solar panels the company that put that thing together for him once again a few more thousand dollars so it's like it's easily ten plus thousand dollars of equipment that he bought to retrofit the rv and then there's the cost of the rv so it's it's not a cheap endeavor but you gotta remember that's their home it's like people spend $200,000 buying a house. It's like he spent less than that on an RV and the retrofit. And he has no rent to pay. He's, you know, generating his own own electricity. He's only having to pay for the RV parks, the, the basically the rental fee for the spot where you plug in. It's like, he's just having to pay those. And so it's like, that's his, his rent, which is still much lower than rent. So his daily living costs are dramatically lower than, being in an apartment or in a house. And what's the longevity of this kind of lifestyle? How long does, how long does There's, he envision doing this? He's, he's looking at doing this for probably, I think he said a, like a year or two, a couple of years. Um, it's one of those, they're kind of like seeing what it's like to live in different areas of the country. And at some point they may have discovered, you know what? We don't want to go back to Rhode Island. You know, we want to, we're going to live in Utah because we really loved right. Utah. It's like they could end, they're basically just kind of like sampling, sampling the the <laughs> buffet of the United States and seeing what's out there and areas they may want to live in at some point. So it's like, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun journey at the end of the journey for them. They're going to probably find a nice place to live. Um, I have a patron that uh, let me know that he did this and he lived on the road. I think he said for three years doing mm. it this way. And somebody else in the comments, I should have written down their name. He said uh, he lived this way for five years. Mm. So it's like, it's definitely something that you can do and get used to. But those guys who talked to me about that also didn't have kids when they were doing this. So it was either them and their wife or just them that was doing this. Um, 
I can't imagine doing it with kids. I yeah, I can't imagine doing it with kids, and I can't imagine doing it without kids. Um, this is again one of those things that just strikes me as some people are some people just have wanderlust. You know, they 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 mm-hmm. hear that call and they want to get out and do that. And there is a romantic side of me that says it would be amazing to do something like that. Um, yeah. And it certainly seems like it would be best served to be on the younger side when you have the ability to do these things. I can't imagine yep. the time in my life when I will have retired that I will have nearly the gumption to get up and go no. and put together no. an RV and live like this. Um, Especially with the menagerie of animals he has. He, he is Dr. Doolittle. I don't know what he's, how he gets them to all hold hands and sing Kumbaya, but I don't know if you saw some of the video shots. It was like the cat was just hanging right. out with the rabbits. It's like, how does, right. how does that work? And then there's two gigantic dogs. It's like, what is going on? And here? I assume the chickens are no longer around. <laughs> the chickens are no longer around now. So one of the comments that stood out for me was from Mr. Aroshan and Mr. Aroshan wrote, I live off grid in an RV traveling to and staying in areas where I want to stay. Someone asked me once how long it would take to recoup the money I spent on solar. I pointed out that in one spot, we in one spot we stay, our nearest neighbors paid about $5 million for the houses they have. We paid nothing. So our system paid for itself the first time I was able to stay at a place like this with no noise from a generator. That's kind of yeah. puts things into perspective. You're saving, you're spending money on things that for somebody who lives in a stationary home, it seems like, oh, that's all extravagant expenses, but it's a redirection of your funding to other types of lifestyle. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So I just think that, um, kidding out a thing like that, if you were to do it, would your, would your needs be similar to what he did? It seems like what you point out in your video is you have, you have needs from your YouTube industry to be able to download massive files and you're doing a different style of thing. But aside from that, do you think you'd be able to manage with a, a life that would feel some similar to what you currently do, would you be able to fit into that kind of RV lifestyle? I could. The funny thing is like, if you want to talk about how much data I'm uploading and downloading every month, I actually just looked into this recently. It's, I used about two terabytes of data every month with how much video and stuff I'm downloading and uploading every month. So I would, I'd have right. to figure that out. It was one of those, it would have to be something like Starlink or go home. Um, but it's conceivable. Yeah, it's conceivable that I could do this. And what he did for how he sized his system, which I thought was really funny, which was just max it out. Like how much space do we have for batteries? Let's just pack as many batteries as we can. How many solar panels can we fit? Let's just deck right. it out. It's like, it's more than he needs, but it gives you that headroom to know that you don't have to worry about it. And if there's periods where it's very rainy and very cloudy for a bunch of days in a row, you still don't have to worry mm-hmm. about it. So it's... It's totally doable. Yeah, I think for me, it, the biggest issue would be, um, I like my I like my streaming programs. I like my streaming movies. Yeah, it's I it like, comes back down to the internet. Yeah, it's, it's like, like I like <laughs> my my video games. So it would be things like that. But I I agree with you. 
it's like the expectation around what you would have would be achievable. So yeah, it just comes down to, come on, Elon, get those satellites up faster. We need a really good solid Starlink internet connection. And then we could live wherever we want. (laughs) And of course, if we, and then of course, if we also get the neural link, all we really need is a drone to go to those places. And we could just, vegetate in our living room and think we're living it's the matrix it's, we will be living, living the matrix. matrix you know you sit up i know kung fu <laughs> so moving on to the second half of our show as usual we will be taking a look at some of the television shows or movies or possibly video games smooth transition from the last part of that conversation to this part <laughs> to get into that matt i'm going to be like what, what were you going to say I should say like a professional that's, that you are. I, <laughs> smooth smooth yeah. transition. Nobody, Nobody noticed, noticed that transition, transition whatsoever. <laughs> People are so looking backward and saying, how did I get here? How does this, how did that work? It's this amazing. Is amazing. How does he do it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, you know, it comes naturally. So I'm flipping a coin. Call it in the air, Matt. Okay. Uh, it is heads. Good call. Yeah, you win. Ah, so you get to go first. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, going going back to that commenter, I think his name was was it Shiri Shag seventy mm-hmm. five Abel. Um, he suggested uh, checking out and wanted to hear our thoughts on debris if we'd seen it. And of course, I hadn't. I hadn't even heard of it. So I immediately was like, huh, looked it up. This looks interesting. So I watched the first episode. And as I'm in the middle of the first episode, my wife comes walking in the room, and goes, "Is this debris?" And I was like. But you know of this show? She goes, yeah, I put it on the list for maybe for, for us to check out. I was like, oh, well, thanks for telling me. Um, so I found out about a show before, you know, my wife was thinking about before my wife told me. That makes you a good husband. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I tested out the waters for her and told her, yeah, you should watch this show. I think the show is, it's a mixed bag. And the reason it's a mixed bag is because it's a major, in the US, it's a major network television show. It's like, it doesn't matter if it was ABC, CBS, or NBC. My big complaint is the fact that ABC, CBS, or NBC made this show when it should have been something like an FX show or Hulu original or Amazon Prime or Netflix. And the reason I say that is it, it's such a cool concept. The basic concept is that it's right from the title card at the beginning of the show. A spacecraft was discovered, debris of a breaking up spacecraft was discovered coming through our solar system heading towards Earth. And over the like course of several years, debris has been slowly raining down on the planet. This is high technology. So you can imagine there's this mad dash from all over the world of different governments trying to get their hands on this stuff because it's crazy technology that we can repurpose. And so that's the basic premise of the show. So it's kind of like a cross, it's a little X-Files-y. It's got this kind of X-Files kind of feel to it um, where there's like this special kind of like group of people that go try to find this stuff. And the main two characters, one's from MI6 in the UK and the other one's from the CIA in the United States. And they've basically the US and the UK are working together, but there's also a, they don't trust each other. And like the governments are trying to kind of like get one over on the other one. Like everybody's trying to get a leg up. So you can kind of see where the show is going to go of like the, technology that's way beyond our understanding and grasp what kind of ramifications it could have on a a society and a civilization when that happens which is a really cool concept i can't i I, in 
I, I, I just, I just like the way it's going and it's right up my alley, but my whole hesitation comes down to flashbacks to lost. So here's a concept of what's this Island? Why does this Island exist? What's the smoke monster? What this, this mystery box of the Island? What the hell is the Island and all this crazy cool stuff. And just these like little dribs and drabs of all this interesting things that at the end of the show, they never really answered in a satisfying way. And it was, you know, they just petered out because they didn't really get to the root of what a lot of people were interested in. The hook of the Island never got paid off in a way that was satisfying. And that's my problem. I can, I can sense it. I can taste it. I can tell it's going to let me down because it's not going to get to the root of the issue. Cause for me, it was like, okay, that's interesting and all, but, uh, why did that spaceship break up in the first place? Is there something big and bad happening out there that's coming into our neck of the woods that we should be worrying about? Are these guys going to be coming back to try to find out, find their ship? Uh, are they going to bring some friends? Are we going to be in deep doo-doo? It's like, it's one of those, I, my, my mind immediately went to the bigger picture of what hell is coming towards earth. And we're bickering over the little bits and pieces that fell right. to our planet. And I have a feeling the show is not going to even touch that. I have a feeling they're just going to keep that like off in the ether and they're going to just focus on the infighting on the planet and the show will last for a few seasons and then peter out and go away. And it's kind of like, that's my concern where I felt like, I feel like if it was a different company making the show, I would have more confidence that they would probably be going right. bigger picture you would hope, time. You would hope that really go- to go back to your, your comparison to lost, you would hope that they know the answers to what those things are before even starting Bingo. the show. And in a lot of cases, Correct. They don't. They yeah. don't. Network network <laughs> yeah. sometimes d- simply does not know the answers. Um, because because it's NBC, it's going to probably stay a procedural, right. a very procedurally show. And because of that, they're not going to want to grapple with these long, huge, overarching, especially science fiction, like sci-fi, special effects laden things yeah. they would need to do. It's like where things like Netflix do that in their sleep. It's like NBC does not. So it's like, I just worry about, but the show's production quality, it looks like a film. It looks really well done. The writing was very good. The acting was excellent. I thought the male lead, who's the CIA guy, I thought he was overacting a little bit, but overall, I thought it was a very good show. I can't, I'm, I'm interested to see where it's going. I'm going to keep watching, but I'm, I just know my heart's going to be broken. The other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, do you have anything uh, you want to say? I on just that? wanted to say, I agree with you that the setup, I think, calls out for the bigger picture that would be where i would be interested is sort of like um the movie arrival you know it has that that thing that's happening in the immediate moment and the entire reason for it is the movie is saying this is happening because of something that's going to happen in the future and it's pointing to a much bigger picture and it's not pointing to a sequel it's just simply within the confines of the story the author knew this is happening because of reasons. And it's, as you were describing, I didn't know what the premise of the show was. Immediately, as you said, mm-hmm. things are raining down on the earth that are these high level tech from a spaceship debris. I immediately thought, oh, that points to like, where's that ship yeah. from? Is there something else that's coming in pursuit of that thing? Um, and it, it begs yeah. for that and yeah okay so if this this crazy technology ship was destroyed by somebody else 
It's like, how powerful right. are those people? Because they took down this thing, which is crazy. Um, a show that does this actually really well is The Expanse. That's the whole premise of The Expanse. It's like there's the infighting of all the humans around the, the galaxy, around the solar system. And all the technology that they're fighting over is from an old species, old alien race that's crazy powerful. And we're, pl- we're right. playing with fire. And it deals with that directly with the history of that thing. So it's like, it's fascinating to watch that unfold. I just worry that they're going to be a little too small scale. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing I watched uh, because of the pandemic and movies, blockbuster movies have all been delayed and delayed and delayed. And suddenly it was like Universal was kind of like, HBO was kind of like, you know what? We're going to put all the Universal movies up on HBO Max when they, when they right. launch in theaters. Enjoy. Well, the first one that that's happened that I watched uh, was Godzilla versus Kong. And I don't know if you've seen the new movies. Have you seen Godzilla or I the Kong s- movies? I have seen them. Come out? I like them for being exactly what they are supposed to be, which is giant creatures smashing things. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. they're big, dumb movies. Yeah. This one, I was expecting just a, a doubly right. big, dumb movie. Um, and this is actually the best of all of them. I was shocked that this was actually better than the Godzilla movie. It was better than the Kong movie. They did more with those two characters and actually made them characters the way they never speak, of course, but just their eyes and their looks and the way they emote and the way they hold themselves, their fighting styles. They gave them fighting styles. Like these things have personalities and thoughts and you can see them strategizing in the fights. You can see them strategizing of what they're trying to do when they're trying to do it. And when that thing, they try to do it and it fails, you see them go, ah, because they're frustrated because it didn't work right. Or they got duped by somebody else's maneuver or something like that. It is incredible what they did just for the character of the gigantic Titans that are fighting that I haven't seen in any of these movies ever. And it's like, it was like, bravo, guys. It's like the rest of the movie could be crap, but the, the anytime these two guys are on screen, right. going at it, it's like, all right, this is it's, game it sounds on. Like, it's like, it's it a, sounds like the, the filmmakers really embrace something, which is something that I had hoped for going into these new versions of these movies, which is yeah. to Godzilla or to King Kong, they are not giants. They no. are, it's, no. it's no different than watching. If you watch an animal documentary and you watch lions hunting animals on the plains of Africa to yeah. the lion, the lion is not scary, but the Correct. lion's personality comes out and you see expression, yep. you see pursuit and, and you see its interest in doing certain things and its reaction to failure. And that was always one of the things about like, you you don't want to compare it to the um, Japanese Godzilla movies. People no, in rubber suits are not going to be able different. to do anything with emoting. But to compare it to something like the Matthew Broderick Godzilla, which is, okay. I mean, it's like ripping open a garbage bag and watching stuff spill out. It's just, there's nothing there. Well, all, all, of, these, all of these movies tend to fall in the trap of the monsters are the yeah. spectacle. But then the rest of the 80% of the movie is some inane storyline with human characters you really don't care about. And it's like, just get back to the monsters. This movie actually finds a good balance between how much monster stuff you're seeing and how much human stuff you're seeing. And all of the human stuff that you see is meant 
to drive the monster stuff forward where usually in some of these previous ones like the previous godzilla and the previous king kong there was a, the balance was off and they spent too much time with storylines of humans trying to overcome right. their you know, yeah. emotions and the, somebody like, running around godzilla here. i don't care about you and their entire thing is i have daddy issues and it's like i don't correct <laughs> so basically yeah so basically the humans are there as exposition machines and i don't mean that they're saying what's happening but what they are doing is telling is unfolding the backstory behind godzilla behind kong behind what why this stuff is happening and how it's unfolding and the humans actually having some agency right. in the story and actually helping kong at points and and helping godzilla and doing different things to try to nudge it in different directions and they succeed at doing that so it it wasn't just humans having stupid emotional storylines that you don't really care about because you're here for a monster movie and they're just getting dragged along it was there was enough interest in the human story human storyline where they didn't overstay their welcome for me so it's like i was i was i'm not calling it a yeah. good movie make it very clear it's not a great movie but if you're in for a just you want a summer blockbuster get out the popcorn turn the sound really loud and just having fun it's like it's i was very happy especially the fact i didn't have to pay a dime extra to see this movie it just it was just i already have hbo max and there it was it's definitely worth watching yeah we just watched the uh kong skull island about i think it was about three weeks ago and we did that in preparation of being able to watch this soon when it now that it's out for the things i wanted to talk about uh going completely the opposite direction i wanted to talk about a movie which ties into the nomad lifestyle i think i talked about this a couple weeks ago i just wanted to refresh everybody's minds refresh everybody's memories about it it's nomad land with francis mcdermott and it's directed by chloe zhao and it is the story of a woman whose life after the passing of her spouse becomes one of living off the grid in an RV and she doesn't have an RV. She has an, she has a van and it is a very intimate, very personal story of this woman moving from place to place doing temp work, uh, largely around seasonal work in different areas. You know, one season she might be working on an arch orchard. Another season she goes into a, uh, Amazon shipping center where she works for a period of weeks before the holidays. She just follows the weather and follows, um, follows her sort of just follows the wind kind of. And it is a story about a person who's detached from society and from her family. And there's a loneliness to it, but it's a very, very personal portrayal of, of that kind of lifestyle. And it is based on a nonfiction book. And what they ended up doing was they made a movie in which they incorporated actual people who live this lifestyle and then put actors into it to play a storyline that goes as the through arc of that. So they are showing you actual people who live this lifestyle and the reasons for why they live this lifestyle. And then, um, the the main story arc around this woman and the question of will she will she put roots in will she find a place to put roots in and ultimately for some people where you put roots in is um connected to people so it's will she put roots in because of connections to specific people and it's a very lovely film and the director um 
Nizao is going to be the director on Marvel's uh, The Eternals, I believe it is. So this is, oh, wow. after watching this movie and finding out that she was going to be directing this, I was just like, this, the, Marvel's ability, Disney's ability to connect really talented directors that do not have a background in getting action on the screen is very impressive. And I'm thinking about like Thor Ragnarok with bringing in a director who was known for small, intimate comedies. And then this movie where it's a, it's a deeply personal story about loss and about um, personal connection to other people thinking about, they bring in these directors to tell these stories about superheroes and I'm, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what she does next with, uh, with that future movie. I think it's going to be a 2022 film. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is another movie from 2020 and, and nomad land has been nominated for a lot of things. I don't know if it was nominated for any Oscars. I believe it was, but the other movie is another Oscar nominee and it is called Another Round. And it's directed by Thomas Vinterberg and it stars Mads Mikkelsen. And this is a foreign film. It's Danish. And Mads Mikkelsen, most people would know him as Hannibal from the TV series. He's awesome. Um, he was I also in the first, uh, the Casino Royale as the main villain yep. in that James Bond yep. film. And... Mads Mikkelsen, he is such a captivating performer. He is he is so easy to watch, and you just want to like. There were moments in this movie where you just want to study him as a person, just sitting in a place, and it's very very. Um, it's a beautiful movie to watch, and it is the story of four men who are teachers and they go into a bizarre experiment to basically live out the idea that people are born with their blood alcohol content too low by 0.05%. So they agree that they will all try to maintain that blood alcohol content level by just drinking a little bit during the day and they set up parameters that it will only be on weekdays. It will only be at work. It will only be, be till 8 PM. And when they put this slight buzz on, how does it improve them? It is a little bit like an ensemble leaving Las Vegas. It is not nearly as harrowing but it is as impactful around people's relationship to drink people's relationship to other people, how alcohol sometimes is the connection between people. They are teachers of older high school students who are trying to get into university. And it is a country that is a heavy drinking culture country. These students, even though they are, high schoolers in that country, they are of legal age or at least socially accepted as drinkers. 
And these students are heavy drinkers. There's a heavy party culture. And so there's the question of, is drinking out of control among the kids? And meanwhile, these teachers are secretly drinking at work. And while that is going on, Mads Mikkelsen's relationship with his family is falling apart. It starts with the story of a man whose life is empty. He is clearly depressed. He is in a shell. He comes out of that shell, but by the time he comes out of it, is it already too late? And is the way he's coming out of that shell only going to destroy it further? So it is a, it is a deeply philosophical movie. It is a powerfully acted movie and it is a very interesting story that is at times amusing and you laugh, but ultimately it has that turning point where things turn darker and you see how these relationships are really bruised potentially to the point of not being able to be recovered. So those two movies I think are, are my recommendation for this week. I think that's a nice balance from the monsters mashing each other (laughs) and destroying cities. And then I'll bring up the movies about people living a nomad lifestyle or, potentially drinking themselves. Alcoholism. (laughs) Yes. So if anybody, Uh, yeah, it's the the full spectrum. So if anybody out there has, has seen any of these programs or movies and wants to weigh in, please let us know. And as, uh, sure shag 75 able said, uh, the recommendation of debris has led Matt and potentially me to check that out. So please let us know if you have any suggestions, we would love to hear what you have to offer. You can find our contact information in the podcast description that is at your podcast provider or on YouTube immediately below the video. Please do subscribe. You can find the podcast wherever podcasts are available and you can also find us on YouTube. We now have a way to directly support the podcast. You can visit stilltbd.fm. You'll see the support the podcast link in the middle of the page. And you can throw some pennies into the jar. We do appreciate whatever support anybody is offering, whether that's a direct donation or liking, subscribing, and sharing us with your friends. Please be sure to give us a rating, a review, and share us with your friends. It really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew is the smart one to recommend the monster movies. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.